Good morning, everyone. God is good, isn't he? I wonder if we could just take a minute and, and pray. Can we do that? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your blessings. Thank you for all that you have done for us throughout this week. And now as we open your word, we ask that you would pour out your favor upon us, that we have ears to hear, hearts to receive. Pray that you would allow me to speak your word as you would have it. So Lord, we love you. We trust in you. We trust in your word. And we ask that your blessings would be upon us and upon our children and our children's children. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. It's good to be home. Although I did really enjoy having a dance-off with all my grandkids. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I didn't do much dancing. I did more watching. But it was great. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It's also uh, just good to be back here in Florida. So if you're, if you're here in church, if you're watching online, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, I will tell you, you need to pray for, for California. It is... The weather is uh, hot and dry, and it needs a lot of rain, and it's really tragic to see everything that has been destroyed by the fires. Uh, air quality is poor, uh, so we need to pray for rain. Pray for rain in California. We need to pray for spiritual rain in our country. That's what we really need. Is just for God to open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out his blessing and favor upon, uh, upon not only Florida, but upon uh, this country and then around the world. And I don't mind if, if that revival starts in another country, but if I had my choices, it would start not only in this country, but right here in Orlando, in this church. So I, I like that. Hey, I want to talk to you today about uh, about one of your superpowers. Anybody, I know we, we live in a, in a time where all of the movies are about superheroes. And one thing I've discovered about superheroes is they don't know they're super or they don't know that they're heroes. And then one day they, dis they discover that they have a super gift. And they have to use that gift and develop that gift. And then they have to decide, are they going to be a good guy or a bad guy? So, and I want to talk to you today about one of your superpowers. If you are a follower of Christ, you have a superpower. You have a power that is so amazing that it can shift the spiritual realm. That you have the ability to change the spiritual realm around you. You have a gift that, that was a... a predecessor to every great revival that's come across this world. The Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, the Welsh Revival were all preceded by this superpower that each and every one of us possess. And that superpower is simply this. It's prayer. Prayer. Communication with God. You say, well, I pray, but I just don't see all the things that, that people in the, in the Bible 
had when they prayed. But I, I am here to tell you that God is not a respecter of persons. And it's not about how eloquent you pray. It's not about how large your vocabulary is when you pray. It's not about enunciation when you pray. It's about being in a spirit of prayer where you reach the very throne of God. And each and every one of us have the opportunity to be a man or a woman of prayer. Prayer is amazing. And the great thing about it is, you know, some, we, we, you know, there's a lot of people that can do a lot of things better than I can. I don't like them. Not really, I'm just kidding. Uh, but th there are people that, that, that can do things better than I can. There are people that, you, that can do things better than you can. But God is the great equalizer. He gives each and every one of us 24 hours in a day. I have the same amount of time as anybody else. And I can pray as much as I want to. The only thing that stops me from praying is me. And you say, well, what happens when you pray? When you pray, revival happens. When you pray, the world changes. When you pray, God Acts. When you pray, then, then people are changed. Lives are transformed. Not only your life, but the lives of those around you. Prayer is the essential to the church. And we just read it on, uh, on one of the slides. If you'll turn that for me, please. Stay up with me, if you will. Prayer is the primary work of the church. Not a secondary, not a tertiary, but a primary, the primary work of the church. The greatest thing that we can do is pray. Hello. I'm feeling a little Pentecostal today, so I need some amens. So uh, we... we have the opportunity to pray. Our greatest and primary work is to pray. The church was birthed in prayer. You say, well, our primary work is preaching. Our primary work is singing. No, those are all secondary or, or, or tertiary events. The primary work of every believer is to pray. And here's the amazing thing about prayer. You can never master it. You can never conquer it. Because prayer is one of those things, if it's communication with God, to say you've mastered prayer is to say that you have experienced and understand everything there is about God. I have a lot of conversations with my wife. I have a lot of conversations with my children. I have a lot of conversations with my grandchildren and my friends. But have you ever noticed that sometimes our conversations are, are topical and they're, and they're surface-oriented and they're just generally, you're talking about the weather, you're talking about sports, you're talking about uh, life events. But there are those times when your conversations go deep and you know that you're connecting with that person In an intimate way. 
You understand what I'm saying? Those conversations that each and every one of us have had. And I'm sure you're recalling some of them now. Where, where you have talked with somebody and when you've communicated with them, you were connecting on a deep, personal level. And what you, was, what you were saying was being heard and what they were saying you were understanding. It was a connection. And prayer is just like that. There are times when you pray and you'll pray and you'll, and it will, and you'll pray about different things. But when you begin to really pray, when you get into that, that, that area of prayer where you begin to really connect with God, things change. When, you, when you're in that, that time of prayer that, it's, that you get lost in prayer and it's just you and the Lord and you begin to see him and he sees you and you're able to, to understand not only what he is asking of you, but he's able to input into your life his very presence that you begin to understand his own personality. I want to, I've talked to a lot of Christians and I know the ones that really pray. I know the ones that really understand because those are the ones when something happens, you say, don't you just love the Lord? And they look at you and they say, yes, there is no one more precious. They know him. They know him. And the only way to really know the Lord is to give yourself fully and wholly to prayer. Prayer transforms us. Prayer transforms the people around us, prayer is the primary work of the church. This is what, uh, if, you'll, if you'll turn that, Oswald Chambers, if you've ever read his devotionals, they're just absolutely amazing. He said that prayer is the greater work. There are some great works that we can do, but the greater work, the greatest work that we can accomplish in our life is to become men and women Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, true prayer. If you'll turn that for me, please. He said, true prayer is a spiritual transaction with the Creator. In other words, you, you get to the place where you get beyond your flesh. What do, we, what do you mean by that, Pastor? It is simply this. When you begin to pray, have you ever noticed that if you really begin to pray, that everything that you need to accomplish flashes before your eyes. And it will distract you. And you say, well, what is that? That is your nature, your carnal nature, trying to get you to not enter in to the spiritual realm. And when you work past your carnal nature, and you say, Thank you for reminding me. I'll get to that right after I'm, I get through praying. And you begin to pray. I mean, I remember when I was a, a, a new Christian, I, I was praying and, and I kept wanting this, uh, 
this red convertible, you know, and, I, and every time I'd pray, I'd see that red convertible drive by mine. You know, so I finally kicked that out, and then, and then I started praying, and then I saw Nancy when we were dating, I'd see her face, you know, and then I'd pray a little bit more, and I'd see Nancy driving in the convertible. And, but the thing is, with prayer, prayer, there's something that happens in prayer when we get beyond our flesh, and the Bible talks about walking or living in the Spirit, it's, it's a transition that we have to move. The Bible, we're going to get to that uh, scripture in a moment that says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person does a lot of good. It accomplishes a lot. But it's that the term that is used by James is, is an active. It's not passive. Prayer doesn't fall on you. What he is saying is when you pray, it requires work. It's an active work that we do, that we have to enter in to prayer. There are times when you walk in and you really feel God's presence and you can say, wow, I'm in the presence of God. And then there's times you have to really dig deep and, and look for it. But prayer is an active work that has to go on in each and every one of our lives if we want to be that man and woman of God that we really desire and crave to be. This is what Billy Graham said. He said, to get nations back on their feet, we must first get them on their knees. I, I, I am here to tell you that a donkey or an elephant cannot solve the problems of our country. But the lamb can. Christ can. But the only way Christ works is when people surrender their lives and their will to him. And how do we get others to recognize Christ? First and foremost, it's becoming men and women of prayer. Corey Tinboom said this. She asked a question. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? That's a tough one. And I had to repent when I read that. In other words, does this, this prayer guide steer your life? Or is prayer something you use in case of an emergency? I think a lot of times we use prayer in the emergency and say, oh God, you've got to get me out of this. And you know what God does? He gets us out of it. And then we forget to pray. But the prayer that the Bible talks about is allowing prayer to guide and direct your daily life. It's, it's being so close to the Lord that you can hear him whisper to you, and, and the prayer is so intimate that you are able to say, yes, Lord, I will do whatever you're asking me. In the last few weeks, we've been talking about Elijah. And Elijah, uh, the Bible talks and says that God, God told him, he said, um, yeah, I need you to pray that it won't rain for three and a half years. And Elijah prayed, and it did not rain for three and a half years. That's a long time. And then, and then he said, then God said, I, I want you to, 
to have a showdown with the prophets of Baal. And we talked about that, about building the altar. And we talked about laying on the altar what is keeping you from God. But, but during that time, Elijah offered a prayer. And then, then God said, Elijah, what I want you to do now is I want you to tell King Ahab it's getting ready to rain. I want you to pray for rain. And he did. And if you look at Elijah's life, everything about his life focused on prayer. Elijah did nothing apart from prayer. In fact, Elijah always prayed and then he acted. He never acted and then prayed. He always prayed, heard from God, understood what God was wanting to do, and, and, and acted on what God asked him to do. He always prayed first. And, and then in the book of James, this is where we're going to be reading from in James chapter 5, James uses of all of the people in the Bible, of all the people that have served God, James uses Elijah as an example in a passionate plea for God's people to be people of prayer. And in James 5, 16, this is what, what the scripture says, in the, in, this is the second part of 516, because James is giving this, this oratory on, on prayer, and he ends it with this. He says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. One of the other trans, uh, translations says it this way. It says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. Effectual. That, that, that term in the Greek is simply this. It's a prayer that achieves its desired results. An effectual prayer achieves what you're praying for. Fervent means to be at work. We talked about that. It's active. It, it requires work on our part. It's, it's active. It's passionate. So if you have a prayer, which is communication with God, and it's effectual, and it's fervent, then the results producing conversation with God that is active, alive, and a passionate one accomplishes its goals. Prayer that is effective, prayer that is fervent, that, that, that requires us to dig deep and move beyond the, the physical world and get into the spiritual world because the scriptures tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. And that's where we do our fighting is not out on the streets, but it's on our knees. Where we win the victory is not when we're trying to proclaim our voice out there, but it's when we get before the throne of God in here. Victory comes when God's people decide and make up their mind that they are going to be men and women that passionately pursue prayer. That they realize that God has given this great thing to the believers that, that follow him, that trust in his word, that believe that his word is true. And when you pray the will of God and you pray the word of God, amazing things will happen. Prayer, a results-oriented, a results-producing prayer. But it's not just anybody's prayer. I love what he says, the prayer of a righteous person. 
Notice he didn't say the prayer of a wicked person. He didn't say the, the prayer of a wishy-washy person. He said the prayer of a righteous person. And you say, well, that probably disqualifies all of us. And, and if we were standing on our own righteousness, our own merit, our own goodness, our own self-worth, absolutely none of us would be qualified. But that's not the righteousness he's talking about. That righteous person is, is one that conform, uh, is conforming to the standard, the will, or the character of God. And when it's not anybody's prayer, but it's the prayers of those that are pursuing God's will. They're pursuing God's purpose. They're pursuing God's direction, God's purity, God's morality. This is what James says in, in James 2.23. And it said, so it happened just as the scriptures say... Abraham, listen to this, Abraham believed God, and so God declared him to be righteous. His righteousness did not come through his own acts of goodness or self-worth, but they came by his action of believing the word of God and acting on the word of God. And righteous people today are not righteous within ourselves, but our righteousness is the righteousness of Christ. And the righteousness of Christ comes upon us and declares us to be righteous when we are obedient to his word and when we are obedient to his voice. And prayer, prayer is where that righteous person that trusts in the Lord, that, that knows that, that prayer changes the world. That prayer can turn the world right side up. That prayer can, can stop the mouths of lions. That prayer can walk you through a fiery furnace. That prayer can keep you and deliver you from the, from the enemy. That prayer can, can get people out of prison. Get, that prayer can do all things. Man, we just don't understand it. I wish I understood and grasped the the fullness of what prayer really is. Because if I did, I would pray more. I would pray longer. I would get deeper in the spirit of God. But prayer is what really transforms not only our lives, but the lives of those around us. It's what unleashes the presence and power of God in our lives. This is what you say, well, Elijah prayed and, and and how do we compare with him? And, and I'm really glad that you asked that. Let's, let's read what, what James said about Elijah. Here he is, and he is our example. And he says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. I want you to think about that for a moment. Elijah was a human being. He prayed he heard from God, and God said, pray that it doesn't rain for three and a half years. Elijah prayed, and it did not rain for three and a half years. Then God said, I want you to pray that it rains. And Elijah prayed, and it rained. He had a connection with God. And yet, James is helping us understand some intimacy about prayer. And he said, Elijah was a human being. Even as we are. What does that mean? That means that he had a carnal nature. Just like we do. 
you know, if he had a carnal nature, that means that he had committed sin. He was disobedient to God from time to time. Not only before he followed Christ, or before God, but even after. He was human, just as we are. He had fears. He had doubts. He had worries. If you read in, in 1 Kings 19, and, and we'll, we're going to uh, talk about some of that next week. But after it began to rain, Jezebel, Ahab's wife, the queen, threatened to kill him and was searching for him. And the Bible says he ran out of fear. I want you to think about that for a moment. Here's a man that prayed that it didn't rain for three and a half years, and it didn't. Here's a man that just... Uh, was stood and prayed and fire came down from heaven and consumed the, the offering on the altar and consumed the water around the altar and then he just had all of the prophets of Baal killed right there. He had a great victory for God and then he prayed that it was going to rain and it began to rain and then he is fearful and runs. And the Bible says he ran, and, and he ran, and he, and he ran to the mountain of God. And, and as he ran to the mountain of God, God spoke to him, and he said, Elijah, why are you here? And Elijah said, well, well God, it's because, it's because they're trying to kill me, and I'm just so tired of life. Why don't you just take me now? And he was in despair. You ever been there? Have you ever been at, at a place where, where life has just come tumbling down around you and you are running to God out of fear and, and, and as you get into prayer, you say, oh God, I, everything is falling apart. You've got to help me. Elijah was a man just like we are. His life was turned upside down and he was so fearful that he ran to God and as he ran to God and God asked him why he was there, he was terrified and began to cry out to God. Then God said, hey, go stand in front of the, of the, of the cave that you're, that you're in. And, God, and he went out there, and God demonstrated his power through a mighty wind that shook the rocks. And, 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 but God wasn't in that wind, and he had an earthquake, and, and, and God wasn't in that earthquake. And then, but he was in the still, small voice. And you ask yourself, well, what does that mean, a still, small voice? And in that still, small voice, God asks Elijah the same question. Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah responded in a similar fashion, but the difference was Elijah wasn't responding in fear. He had calmed himself Realizing that the storms of life and the, and the winds of life is not where I'm going to find God. But it's going, I'm going to find God when my spirit is quieted in his presence. He was a man just like we are. David said in Psalm 133, he said, I have, I have quieted my spirit and, I, and, I, and I'm not acting like a child anymore. And he said, so let Israel hope in the Lord forever. See, there is a, a time in Elijah's life, and there's a time in our life that we can look around 
in the circumstances that we are facing, and we can be terrified at what's going on. But you're not going to find God in the terror. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You're not going to find God in the terror that you're facing. You will find God when you get beyond the terror, when you get beyond the strong winds that are ripping your life apart, when you get beyond the earthquake that's shaking the very foundation under you. You're going to find God when you, when you get past all of that and you get into His presence and you understand that He quietly and calmly controls all things. There is where you find strength and your hope and your help in prayer. Elijah was a man just like us, had a sinful nature, was tempted just like we are, had the abilities of doubt and fear, courage and strength of character. And here's the real point. He was not perfect and his prayers were answered. See, it doesn't take a super Christian or a super spiritual giant to have your prayers answered. And I know that some people, they'll say, well, you know, I've got to wait until I shape up before I ask the Lord these big, bold things or I try to get into prayer and really connect with God. And they don't realize that you can't shape up on your own because you're not the one that shapes you. It is Christ that forms you. And you can only be formed into the image of Christ when you come to him. Because he's the potter and we're the clay. And we come to him with with a humble spirit and we enter into his presence in prayer. Can I encourage you today? Don't wait until you have done all of the things that you consider to be spiritual or holy to walk into the presence of God. But come as you are. Right now, today, doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've been doing. It doesn't matter what's in your heart. The one thing that you have to do is begin. And begin to be that person of prayer by saying, God, you know my heart. You know where I'm at. And I am not afraid to show you my weaknesses because you know what they are. You know the weaknesses that I have. But I know that you are the only source of strength. You're the only one that can transform me. You're the only one that can change me. You're the only one that can lift me up. You're the only one that can deliver me. You and you alone. And man, when we get into that time of prayer, when you begin to acknowledge that that you're not righteous, but he is, and you're not holy, but he is, that you're not self-sufficient, but he is, you're you're not all knowledgeable, but he is. And when you lay those things on him, that's when he can begin to mold you and shape you and encourage you. Elijah heard from God after he calmed his spirit. If there's something in your life that is making you go off the rails, hey, everybody's had it, and, and, and if you haven't, or if you're not going through it, you will. We call that life. Uh, my former pastor said that it only takes one phone call to, come, to bring your world come crashing down. 
God's faithful. But God is good. You'll find your help in prayer. You'll find your strength in prayer. You'll find the blessings of the Lord in prayer. It's the person that gets on their knees and begins to pray that will walk out of that prayer room that says, nobody has ever cared for me like Jesus. It's becoming intimate with the Creator. And that's what boggles my mind. That's what I cannot comprehend is why the Creator of all things, the one that the Scripture says measured the oceans in the palm of His hand, that same Creator that threw the stars in the sky and called them by name, that, that spoke our world into existence, that keeps it in operation by His power and authority. That same God says, I want to have an intimate, personal relationship with you. I don't understand it. And, I, and if I look to say I'm good enough, I'll never be good enough. And if I look to say I'm going to be intellectual enough, I'll never be intellectual enough. I'll never be strong enough to earn that relationship. It comes through Christ and Christ alone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he gave him. Christ died for us that we could have an intimate relationship with him through prayer, and it's through that prayer. It's through that prayer that not only are we changed, but the work of the Lord is accomplished. Elijah always prayed. Then he acted. We ask our praise team to come back. The Bible says that Elijah prayed earnestly. He talked with God. I wonder what they were discussing. You ever been in a, in, in a prayer session? We used to, when I first started going to church, we, we had this 24-hour prayer. We'd go from like Wednesday night at 10 to Thursday night at 10, and you would take two-hour slots. And sometimes when people would come in and they just kind of, lay between the pews or you know, kneel at a pew. And there were some people that when they began to pray, it would make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. They were praying, and it wasn't just prayer. They were in direct communion with God. When the Bible says that you can come boldly before the throne of grace, man, they were there. And you could feel it. Men and women seasoned in prayer that understood that, that this thing we call prayer is something that we will never master, but we can always get better at. We can't master it because we can't master God. But the more we get into it, the more we pray, the more we get beside ourselves and, and enter into his presence, we catch a glimpse of his beauty. We catch a glimpse of his glory. We catch a glimpse of his love for us. We catch a glimpse, a better understanding of his personality. And when you walk out of that prayer room or that, or that 
prayer meeting and you've been in connection with God and somebody says, don't you love him? In your mind, you go back to what you know the Lord is like and you say, yes, because nobody has ever cared for me like him. I was thinking this morning about some of those family conversations that I, I've had and, and I, I have had them with my kids, my wife, my grandkids. And this week, uh, I had them with some of my younger grandkids. You know, whether you're playing trucks and then at one moment, they'll say, Poppy. And, and, and you make that connection. And it's not just playing. But you're seeing them. Thrill them. But as, and as a, as a dad and as a grandfather, my greatest desire is to make a lasting impression, a good impression on them. I want them to be prosperous. I want them to have the blessings of God. I want them to know God. I want them to know me, the real me. And the real me is not the one that just wrestles with them or plays with them. But the real me is the one that loves the Lord. And I want them to see the real me. And the only way that will happen is if I allow the Lord to transform me in prayer. Let me ask you if you would stand with me. I have a question for you. So when is the last time that you spoke with God about about your family? About those around you? About your circumstances that you're facing right now? There are times that you can face things in life that in the immediate they feel like you feel like you've been crushed under the weight and then after time, that the, every once in a while, that same feeling will flood your heart and flood your life. But when we stay close to God, when we walk with Him, when we talk with Him, He's the one that brings healing. He's the one that brings blessing. He is the one that will transform. When's the last time you talked with God about your, your family that doesn't know Him? I mean, really talk to Him. When's the last time you talked to Him about, about that, that new job that you need? God's inviting us today, not out of anger, not out of fear, but out of passion and love and desire that we would know Him. That each and every one of us would have that intimate relationship with Him. And as we have that intimate relationship with Him and our lives are transformed, that He can use us to transform those around us. I would encourage you today, you have no friend like Christ. Know Him. 
know him well. Push beyond the surface prayers that, that we are so easy to pray. And dig deep where it's just you and the Lord and commune with him. You will discover not only who Christ is, but you'll discover who you really are in him. Would you pray with me?